0: This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest, I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. In 2015, undercover journalists with the Center for Medical Progress released videos of Planned Parenthood officials speaking about harvesting parts of aborted babies for sale. Planned Parenthood and its allies quickly took action against journalists David Delayden and Sandra Merritt. The state of California's Attorney General, who is currently the senator and presidential hopeful Kamala Harris, charged the two with 15 felony counts related to taping people without their knowledge. Although this has been done in the past by journalists, this is the first time in California's history that criminal charges have been filed. If convicted, DeLayden and Merritt could face 10 years in prison. A preliminary hearing was just held to determine if there's probable cause to go to trial. One of the organizations defending the journalist is the Thomas More Society. The Society's Vice President and Senior Counsel, Peter Breen, discusses the case with me today on World Lutheran News Digest. (laughs) And now, today's Fast track. Over the past couple of weeks, New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees has faced scrutiny and pushback following his involvement with the Bring Your Bible to School Day. That's an event that takes place tomorrow. Brees became the target of left-leaning media outlets after he partnered with Focus on the Family, a group that values the traditional family structure to create the encouraging video. Although he received massive pushback from the media for his involvement, the quarterback is now gaining support from members of Congress. Last week, 21 members of Congress wrote and signed a letter supporting Breeze, writing, Americans across the country support your promotion of Bring Your Bible to School Day. In a related story, the NFL's rule against players wearing personal messages during games has once again reared its head, leading to a fine. Drew Brees' teammate, New Orleans Saints linebacker DeMaro Davis, said he was fined roughly $7,000 for wearing a headband with the phrase Man of God on it during a Week 3 matchup against the Seahawks. Davis posted a picture of the headband on Instagram and asked his followers whether he should wear it again. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster was reportedly accused of violating the U.S. Constitution by holding prayers before press conferences. The Freedom From Religion Foundation, an atheist organization, sent a letter to McMaster's office in response to two prayers that he led earlier this month before speaking to reporters about the threat of Hurricane Dorian, which made its way up the coast of the state. Ryan Jane, an attorney for the foundation, alleged that his prayers violate the First Amendment and its clause barring government from showing preference from one religion over another. A federal judge in Georgia yesterday temporarily blocked a state law that would effectively ban abortions as early as six weeks into pregnancy, the latest ruling to halt efforts by conservatives to severely restrict access to abortion across the country. The Georgia law, signed by Governor Brian Kemp in May, would have gone into effect in January. It would prohibit most abortions once a doctor can detect a fetal heartbeat, which occurs about six weeks into pregnancy. Current Georgia law restricts abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy.
1: Usted está escuchando el resumen de noticias Mundo Luterano. This is World
0: Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. In 2015, undercover journalists David DeLayden and Sandra Merritt of the Center for Medical Progress posted videos showing Planned Parenthood was selling aborted baby body parts for profit. Planned Parenthood and its allies struck back with both civil and criminal charges. Preliminary hearings in the criminal case just concluded. The Thomas More Society is one of the organizations defending the Center for Medical Progress. Thomas More Society's Vice President and Senior Counsel Peter Breen is my guest on today's World Lutheran News Digest. Mr. Breen, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, Ken.
0: Could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about the Thomas More Society before we go on with the CMP issue?
1: Sure. The Thomas More Society is a national public interest law firm dedicated to uh, restoring respect for life, religious liberty, and family in the law. And so uh, we were founded uh, uh, several decades ago in order to defend uh, those who were defending the most defenseless. So the uh, uh, those who are doing pro life activism work. And uh, we were successful in our great, uh, kind of a great case that founded us, now v. Scheidler, having uh, been to the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, three times and winning. Uh, so that. That really launched us. Uh, I've been with the society for about eleven years now, and uh, and am privileged to be able to uh, to do constitutional law and and other uh, religious liberty defense across the country, uh, including uh, in defending David Delayden, uh, where we've got uh, you know a a, a pro life hero uh, who really took on a, a a cause that that others thought was impossible to. Uh, to to take on uh, the issue of uh, the trafficking in human remains, so uh, the remains of aborted little unborn children uh, being used in fetal tissue experimentation and research. The Center for Medical Progress and the 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 primary
0: the principals here, uh, Ms. Merritt and Mr. DeLayden, are facing felony charges of of uh, recording of a secret recording without uh, permission, and somehow this is an invasion of privacy. Now, let me preface this by saying that I actually am a trained journalist, and I actually practiced journalism in California for 30 years. And I am appalled by this, because I know that there had been undercover stories before by other journalists, and there's never was a problem. Suddenly, this one blows up, and it's the first one, so far as I am aware, that the state has actually gone after an undercover journalist.
1: And we we did a, a freedom of information request to the attorney general's office, and that they confirmed this is the first and only time in the history of the state of California that you've seen a a state prosecutor come after an undercover journalist for alleged illegal keeping uh, and and you see examples of this on the evening news, and particularly this gentleman named David Goldstein in Los Angeles, who every few weeks does an undercover uh, expose uh, that was taped in circumstances that you would, you would arguably say were private. So uh, in doctor's offices and other places uh, where there was no one else around, David knew the law and he's testified to that on the stand uh, at the preliminary hearing. And so he made sure that his taping occurred in places where you could clearly be overheard that were very public places. So, uh, you know, his, the, the charges against David and, uh, Susan, are are based on their taping at an exhibit hall of a trade show of 860 abortion providers and and other abortion allies, and then being done at at public restaurants where there were people sitting nearby. So there's no argument here, no good faith argument here, that uh, David and Susan actually violated the law. Uh, that doesn't mean, though. You know, look, we, we've had the charges filed. They're each facing a decade in San Quentin, so we've, we, you know, it's been a, it's a, it's been quite, quite a difficult uh, ordeal uh, in terms of uh, the charging, defending it. You know, we, we've got, we've got to mount the most vigorous defense that we possibly can. Now, the charges were
0: originally laid on them by, I believe, is Kamala Harris when she was the state's attorney general. Is that correct?
1: Well, and, and what she did, she began this investigation, and and we found through the discovery process that she was actually meeting with the heads of California's Planned Parenthood affiliates, and and uh, California is is uh, has got the largest Planned Parenthood affiliates in the country, hundreds of clinics. Uh, so I mean, it, it, Planned Parenthood is everywhere in the state of California, and they're an incredibly powerful political force. She she literally had meetings with them. And uh, her staff had to-do items for Planned Parenthood. We found emails that said, hey, here are my to-do items. So from the Attorney General of California to the Planned Parenthoods, you know, she's doing, doing items, <laughs> checking off items for them. And on the day that David Daleiden had his apartment tossed pursuant to a search warrant that was uh, authorized by Kamala Harris, that was literally one of the emails we have, where on the exact same day, Kamala Harris's chief lieutenant is sending emails to Planned Parenthood saying, hey, here are the list of things I've got for you. Uh, and so like th- this was totally, totally a political decision. And we know you know, we know there were promises made to Planned Parenthood that, oh, yeah, we're going to prosecute Delight. Uh, so, I mean, this is, again, there is not a jury in the country, uh, we would contend, that would find that David and Susan and, and their other uh, collaborators did illegal undercover taping. And my understanding of the law was the expectation of
0: privacy. And if
1: you're in a public setting, you have none. Well, and, and even more particularly... In the California statute, and it's, it's, uh, California has a lot of case law on their particular statute, but there's a, a, a line that says you, you have to, if you, if you could be overheard, so the reasonable expectation of being overheard, then it's not a confidential communication. And so it would be the sort of thing that uh, if you put yourselves in a corner and you had full view of the room, and you saw that there was no one else around. Well, that you could make an argument. Hey, you know, we we've had a confidential communication, but, but when you've literally got people sitting behind you at a at a restaurant, uh, in a busy restaurant, and then and then wait staff are coming to your table and refilling your drinks. And and while they're refilling your drinks, you're talking about the same stuff you were talking about before. You're still talking about the trafficking of, of human fetal tissue and organs. Well, you can't really make the argument that you somehow couldn't be overheard, or that you even cared.
0: And it was interesting to me that the uh, assistant attorney general said he knew of no clause in the law that uh, defined what was confidential. Yet it's clearly spelled out. I've seen, I've read the law.
1: <laughs> right. It's, it was uh, it was incredible because we we have been uh, carefully analyzing the statutory language, and, and it's pretty clear at this point that the attorney general's office did not. But all they did was said, you know, Planned Parenthood told them to run a lawsuit. Planned Parenthood said, "Oh, these are confidential. You know, we didn't want anybody knowing about this." I mean, obviously, Planned Parenthood didn't want anyone to know that they were trafficking in human fetal parts, and so, you know, we, there was a moment during the preliminary hearing, and uh, uh, you know, our, our, we were arguing about whether a particular piece of evidence should should be brought in or not. And so we said, look, Judge, you know, it, it, here it is in the definition. And it's, I believe it's 632 subsection C, for instance. It says confidential com- communication means, and then it goes into it, uh, you know, and defines it. You know, that's how you would define something in a statute. And so we talked about the definition. And, and yeah, the, the assistant attorney general stood up and said, well, that's, that's not, you know, there's no definition of confidential in the statute. <laughs> and you're, yeah, I mean, it, it was actually, it was one of those moments, everyone just started laughing. Because it was so absurd, uh, you know, and you're not supposed to laugh in a you know, felony <laughs> a, a preliminary hearing, but, but you couldn't help yourself at that point. But are just like, what are you talking about? Uh, it was just, it was nonsense. Well, let's go a little bit into the
0: mechanics of the course. What has just concluded now is a preliminary hearing into a criminal case. What is the preliminary hearing process and where does it go from this point?
1: So, in most states, uh, you're well, and the same in California. California has always got its own unique uh, legal features, just being so large, and uh, they use the preliminary hearing a lot instead of going to the grand jury. So that's really the preliminary hearing takes the place of a grand jury, and the point there is to figure out is there probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed. And so you put that to a judge in the case of a preliminary hearing. If it's a grand jury, it's a jury of your peers. We've actually publicly stated uh, we think the attorney general didn't go to a grand jury because they knew, you know, the attorney general knew full well that a grand jury was not going to charge David and Susan uh, with 15 felony counts for illegal undercover taping when it was clear the tapes were taken in, in more public settings. Uh, so what this that is the point here though it's just probable cause uh, you know certainly the the standard if you uh, if a trial is ordered the standard there would be beyond a reasonable doubt uh, you know so so there's that is that is the highest standard in the law for, for uh, factual determination and so this is one of the reasons we look at this and go what prosecutor in their right mind. Uh, you know, so okay, so so even even if they can somehow get a few of these charges through in the program ahead, which we you know, we're fighting them ahead, and hopefully we will uh, be successful in, but that's that's a tough road to hoe to say, oh, there's not even probable cause. But even then, how in the world do you find a jury that would find beyond a reasonable doubt that no one could overhear that all of these were confidential? Uh, so that that's really where we are right now, though, in the process, where we're trying to deal with this probable cause determination, and then it would uh, it will tell you whether there will
0: be a trial. So the judge will make a decision: yes, there's a trial; no, there will not be a trial. Correct,
1: correct, correct. And, and on which counts? So there's 15 counts, and and I, I I'll tell you, look, you you, you want to stay confident, you want to stay optimistic. We know that we that that our clients are innocent. Uh, they're not just not guilty; they're flat out innocent and but at the same time just because of the way the law works and because of the way the court system works what i what i've said is hey any count we can get thrown out is a win and even during the hearing uh the attorney general they dropped one count uh while we were while we were in the midst of the presentation of the evidence uh the the witness uh didn't show up and they said no we're not we're not going to go on that count so now we're down to 14 counts you know but again we're we, we we want to take away as many as we possibly can. Again, we want to take them all away. But any one or any one or more is a big win, considering how low the standard is of probable cause.
0: I've read some of the uh, some of the transcripts from the from the hearing that have been released, and I noticed that a number of witnesses actually contradicted themselves. One said that, uh, well, yeah, of course I'd mind that this is released to the public. But then in another statement, she said she was okay with it.
1: it I, I'll tell you, the, um, the witnesses on the stand, and, and there was uh, one in particular who was featured in a number of, uh, a number of uh, David's uh, videos. I, I, was, I was literally, I was asking the witness questions. And she would give an answer, just, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure I'm not remember. The and there was one moment where I, I showed her a consent form. Uh, so it was consent form for fetal tissue donation. And she said, oh, I have no idea. I've, I've, I've never seen this before. I'm not sure. And then I'm able then to play the videotape that David took where she says, she, she says literally, oh, I memorized all these forms. I have know them so well. I them back and forth. And you're just sitting there going, what? I mean, what planet are these people on? Uh, they're, they're not testifying honestly. Uh, they certainly were not testifying forthrightly. You, you had people going, uh, uh, you had one uh, particular abortion provider talking about how she in her own practice had manipulated an abortion technique. So, so literally while, while a patient is sitting there under anesthesia, has no idea that this, that this uh, you know, supposed doctor is manipulating the abortion procedure, changing the way the abortion's being done to get more, more intact fetal tissue. And she admits this on the video with David and then on the stand she says, oh, no, no, I've never done that, I've never done that. And you're sitting there playing the video. And, you know, and say, well, here's what the video said. Is it, d- didn't you say those words? Well, yes, Buh. I mean, it, it, it was incredible uh, to see just the amount of uh, deception Uh, You know, dissembling that everybody had forgotten everything. Uh, So we really, we had to use the videos a lot and prior testimony. So they, you know, some of these witnesses had testified to Congress, they had testified uh, in prior depositions. So yeah, we had a lot of uh, what what we call impeachment uh, to do in uh, in this preliminary hearing. One of the other
0: items that I I saw was brought up was the uh, Planned Parenthood people were claiming in certain issues that there was a non-disclosure agreement that David and Susan had uh, had signed. Yet it turned out that the NDA was issued several days or even weeks after the initial conversations.
1: This was an incredible moment. One of the conversations, uh, one of the you know the you, you remember the videos from the public release. There were a variety of conversations over dinner uh, or lunch, and uh, so this witness got on the stand and said, "Oh no, no, you know we had sent them a non-disclosure agreement." Well. It turned out, yes, they had sent a nondisclosure agreement, but a month later and the attorney general was trying to get into evidence a falsehood, which was that somehow this this nondisclosure agreement had been sent prior to uh, the dinner meeting. And so we we actually brought up emails and, of course, then, you know, immediately after we bring up an email. Well, the person's oh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, uh, uh, uh. And you're looking at it. I mean, just, just again. I mean, the, the the level of deception that has been employed by Planned Parenthood and their allies in in desperately trying to pull one over on uh, on the judge, on the American people uh, about this this terrible tragedy of fetal tissue harvesting is, is outrageous. I mean, it is. It's just incredible to see. Uh, the, yeah, I mean this. <laughs> As a, as a lawyer, look—I'm used to witnesses lying, but I mean, every single one of them is just—you know—they're making up new truths as they sit on the stand, forgetting everything that they had all they had testified to, and someone just testified earlier this year. So it was really—you know—it was something that was—it was very challenging. As a lawyer, I've got to have all of my impeachment material, and we've got to—you've got to just absolutely come after them uh, with everything they've done previously, everything they'd said previously. Show them the videos, and. Uh, yeah, you know, we. I think I'm. I'm. Uh, I feel good about uh, what we were able to do, though, at the hearing in terms of uh, really getting behind the lies uh, to get to the truth. Were these people under oath? Yes. And... Well, so here, here's the thing: they're under oath at the hearing. Obviously, they were not under oath when they talked to uh, David and Susan, but you know. Uh, they also didn't realize they were being recorded when they talked to David and Susan, and so they were a little more candid than they would than they would otherwise be. When uh, when you've got uh, you know a judge sitting there and you've got open court, reporters and everything else, mm-hmm. uh, so that. Uh, but you know, look, w- what are you going to believe the the carefully rehearsed or carefully forgotten testimony of a of a witness that is uh, on the stand? You know, a few years later, or are you going to are you going to believe the the actual video taken at the time? Uh, that clearly indicated uh, that you know, they were doing something a lot different than what they were willing to cop to today. Now, also, isn't there a uh, another clause within the within the
0: uh, recording law that says that they may go undercover if they believe they are uh, working on that they are exposing a crime, a violent crime?
1: Right, and, and so th- this is the other point that you know this was something there is a what what they've called an affirmative defense. If you do audio taping or videotaping uh, in order to obtain evidence related to a violent felonies and uh, what what you see in the preparation that David did for this project, he had evidence and uh, strong testimony, which which we brought out uh, at the hearing that there were babies being born alive during abortions. And those babies are then having their fetal Hearts harvested with the beating hearts, uh, literally beating hearts. Uh, they're having fetal tissue procured, uh, so it is it is essentially a dissection of a live human being, uh, which is uh, it, it's. I mean, just it, it's too horrific to even contemplate or try to imagine. But it was the sort of thing. Look, he had clear evidence of this uh, when you saw, and and then and then uh, other felonies such as battery, uh, an aggravated battery under California law, uh, where an abortionist changing a medical technique without the consent of the patient. Cause they never told the patients what they were doing. They just said, Oh, here, why don't you give away, you know, let's, we'll, we'll take your fetal tissue and we'll do something good with it. They didn't tell them, Oh, by the way, we're going to keep you under longer. We're going to manipulate the procedure. We're going to increase the risk to you uh, increase the dilation uh, of the cervix. And, 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 and again, cause uh, real issues potentially, for a woman who was in that circumstance. And so they didn't disclose any of that. Those are actually, those are violent felonies as well against the female patient. Uh, so when, you, when you've when you got that, we think we've established that defense uh, rock solid. But, you know, again, the other side has been fighting it and saying, well, you know, you, you did it here, but you didn't do it there. What have you? So we're, we're going to see, I, I, but really the, the testimony that the babies are being born alive and that the harvesting was occurring on children with beating hearts, that testimony is unrebutted. Uh, the, the attorney general didn't have any counter to that. And they had an opportunity. They could have brought up evidence. They could have brought in their own expert. We brought in our expert witnesses. They had no one to counter that.
0: What about the judge? I've heard that there may be some problems with him.
1: Uh, well, uh, uh, I, and I think you know, the our our. The judge in the civil cases. So you know we've we are uh, uh, also in, you know right now this week going to trial at a federal racketeering trial uh, in the Northern District of California. Uh, we had moved to disqualify the judge in the the civil federal civil case, and and it's the first time in the history of the Thomas More Society we've ever moved to disqualify a judge for cause, uh, and it was in part because of. Uh, uh, the judge had worked; uh, was the lawyer for, and I think one of the founders of, and on the board of an organization that had actually started a Planned Parenthood clinic, uh, and and actually Planned Parenthood clinic for one of the plaintiffs in the federal lawsuit. But uh, but the judge did not feel that was enough to uh, uh, to remove him. And as well, there had been some postings on Facebook where uh, his his spouse uh, had also. Uh, liked several articles saying that David uh, should go to prison uh, for what he did uh, and so there was it uh, was what what we thought was a pretty clear indication that um, whether it was actual bias or you know you use the the lower standard which is, it certainly would uh, cause a reasonable person to to at least start questioning these issues and so but but again we were we were unsuccessful with the judge but we have made our record on that in the uh, in the federal civil case
0: intriguing it's uh,
1: this <laughs> <laughs> it's a three ring circus kip I'll tell you. <laughs> We've got, I mean these guys and and, and look they, they've sued us in San Francisco everybody knows that is probably uh, for a, a pro-life case that is probably the worst jurisdiction in the country uh, for uh, for our side and um, I mean look we're, we're you know, we are fighting it on all fronts but we are we're you know, we're we're taking some hits because you know these guys are they're coming hard at us, and these are the biggest law firms in the country. Obviously, California Attorney General's Office is the largest. Uh, if it's a law firm, it's the largest law firm in the world, probably, it's certainly one of the largest. So we're we're up against the biggest of the bigs, and uh, but we're you know we're we're delivering uh, we're giving it as good as we're getting it. Let's put it that way.
0: Is there any indication when the judge will make a decision on whether or not to proceed with trial?
1: Uh, that's going to happen at some point here in October, probably a little bit later in the month. So right now we are briefing our closing arguments. So we, we had uh, nearly 10 days of, of, full days of testimony. So we were, we're marshaling all of the, the facts from the, uh, the various transcripts of testimony, the, the exhibits that have been introduced and all of that. And so then we are going to put that in, uh, uh very shortly. And then, then the judge will issue his decision another few weeks after that.
0: Well, thank you Mr. Breen. I appreciate you being on the program and uh, this is a case definitely worth watching. Hey, thanks so much. It's great to talk. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2:30 p.m. and again at 9:30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.